Yo. Official greeting of Rock Bible Church. Uh, good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good to see you. And those of you online who want to stay safe, it's good to not see you so that you could be safe. That's why we have all the online stuff and glad that that helps you. Um, but man, what a week. Uh, there were kids everywhere. Noise, water, snacks. Uh, it was glorious. And you should have seen, uh, there was a better teacher this week than we normally have. On Sundays, we have an average teacher, right? This week, we had uh, Dr. McGrogan uh, teaching the kids all these stories. And it was kind of fun because I was sitting in the office. I could hear a bunch of it. And just amazing to see. And then singing songs with Jan and the crew and uh, great old times. So uh, thanks um, on behalf of uh, Children's Ministry. Um, thanks to the church. Uh, for being a church. You know, that's what you are, right? Uh, you make it possible for us to do things like this. Um, and, you know, without getting too much into the business cycle, you have to have people show up and tithe to keep the air on and the electricity on, and, and then people have to volunteer and the whole thing. And when you have that kind of body, you can put on a kid's vacation Bible school. And it was amazing. Right, Gene? Wow. Wow. Two kids uh, came to Christ this week. I'm kind of hoping one of them was the guy behind in the boat this morning. I, I was trying to decide, was that Jesus in the boat or was that one of the pirates <laughs> left over from, from the week? Uh, so we had a fun, we had, you know, you can tell we had fun with this kind of thing and uh, continue to pray for those kids uh, and those two that made decisions, uh, but our ongoing children that are part of the church, and uh, how, how do you raise a child up in the Lord? That's a long, convoluted process, and, and a great question. That's what we're trying to do, right? We say, uh, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others. Does that include kids? We're, we're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, Kids are in that little three-little word right there, all. Uh, be in a community that serves the greater community, and they are part of the community that we serve. Amen? Uh, you guys got an A-plus this week. Um, just even if you just are part of the church but weren't here at all, you still get an A-plus for us being a body that does that kind of thing. So uh, to Brent and all the staff, I know I mentioned just a couple names. I won't mention any more so that I can get in lots of trouble for the ones that I left out. Um, but it was a great week. And thank you, thank you very much for that. So uh, let's jump in. We're going to pray here, and then we're going to jump into a continued series, Book of James. We're going to finish uh, chapter 2 this morning, verses uh, 14 and following up through 26. Um, and I want to point out what I've kind of pointed out at the beginning of pretty much every sermon so far. James spends very little time talking about them. And he spends most of his time talking about me, which I invite you to enjoy all the things he's saying to me, <laughs> right? Uh, no, he's saying it to you, right? James is on the aggressive, pushing you about you and your relationship with the Lord. And today, uh, second part of chapter two, he's going to talk about faith. And we're going um, to dispel some myths 
this morning, um, and we're going to lay down some truth. Amen? And so uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in here. Just let's pray, and then we'll go. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for what happened this week, and for the church, for the staff, and the volunteers. Uh, but right now, Lord, for your word, we, we praise you and thank you that you're an active God that gives us direction, instruction, encouragement, health. And I pray that you would um, let us see that this morning. Uh, let us understand it. Let us feel it. Um, maybe show us what to want from it. Maybe what to cut out from it. But Lord, may, uh, may your word draw our attention to you. May you be the focus. May it honor your son and may your spirit guide it. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. James chapter 2, verse 14 uh, this is, is about faith. He kind of does an abrupt uh, change of gears on topics. He was talking about mercy and judgment and the whole thing. And then he says, you know, kind of like that, this comparison between mercy and judgment, kind of like that, let's talk about this, right? And he, he kind of takes a little left turn here. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, let's try to figure out why he make that abrupt left turn. He, he says, you know, mercy triumphs over judgment. He, he, last few verses, at the beginning of the chapter, he's talking about, you know, somebody walks in looking good, and somebody walks in that you got questions about, and you treat them really well, and you treat them like, well, I hope they don't come back. That's called favoritism. That's making a distinction between two people. You've become uh, the, the judge. You've become the de definer. And God says, uh, you're going to get yourself in trouble. James says, yeah, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And then he says, because if you have faith without works, there's a good question that goes, what's it worth? What good is it? See, if you have faith, you would be merciful to that person that comes in that you have questions about or they're totally fine. They're just different than you, and that makes you uncomfortable, and then you make it their issue because of how you treat them. And, and James says, look, uh, faith should have an effect. Um, is this a real question? Is he saying, what good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but has no works? It's a fake question, isn't it? We call it a Socratic question for those of us who took too many classes. Oh, what's the point of this question? In court, we would call it leading the witness, right? You're saying, Your Honor, objection. There's only one answer to that question. Can't they just state it as a fact and move on because you're trying to make the witness say something that you want them to say? What does James want you to say? There's no good. What good is it? <laughs> like, is there any good? The answer is no, right? Can that fa faith save him? Ooh. Now comes the wrestling match and the fog and the haze and the what just happened uh, because with one question he's just dropped a couple bombs on us right don't you hate when somebody pulls a pin on a grenade drops it right in front of you and then walks away and says hey good luck with that right that's what just happened i want to make sure you see that it actually happened some of you are thinking no that's just a fun question right can that faith save him one is it a real question it's, a, it's another one of them fake questions, right? Socratic question, and, and what's the answer? Can it, can it really save them? The answer is, right, we're two for two on no's. Folks, I'm going to make you come back to second service if you don't start speaking up. This is the interactive portion of your morning. 
okay? Wheaties or not, coffee or not, get, we got fat and sugar and, and caffeine in the back if you need it. But there's two no's in a row. Can that faith save him? No. What's the implication? There needs to be something going on with your faith or the faith loses its value. But I got another one. This is the grenade. Can that faith, wait, is there a faith that can save? There is. All right. Is that a better question? James is a little bit tinkering with something they probably already knew. And so he's dancing around the edges. I want to make sure that in all our culture today, where we make different assumptions and we might be missing some of the foundational stuff that they assume, there's a faith that can save which may be confusing and may feel a little bit hand grenade because I thought it was Jesus on the cross that saved us. Are we mincing words and getting into semantics? Yes, we are. But we're going to get good at it today because I want to get us through the end and we're going to have a clear understanding of who saves us, Jesus. Then how can we say that faith saves us? Because there's either Jesus saves us or faith saves us. And faith, she's a nice lady and everything, but I don't think she can save us. All right? Now, that's a joke, but I want us to be able to make sure we can uh, describe how those work together rather than one's mutually exclusive than the other, okay? So we've got these two rough questions, and then he says, let me give you an example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, does this sound like what he was talking about a few verses ago last week, beginning of the chapter, right? And one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? Did we just get our third fake question? And the answer again is none. Nil, zero set, right? It's not worth anything. Why? There was a real need placed before you, and did you recognize the need? Did you listen to them? Did you give them a chance to give you input? Yeah. What's the only piece that's missing? You didn't do anything. Right? So we've got this idea of works. I want you to look at the top of your outline. It says James chapter 2, verse 14 through 27. Right? And then underneath it, it says, the faith, the works, and the ugly. Yes, it was a pun. Right? It's a play on that old movie. Okay? We won't talk about it at all. What good is that? It's no good. So, and this is him continuing his logic then. If you've got three questions, all of them are no, we've got to figure out where's the Yes. Where's the yes in this? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have what? Works or actions or verbs, I like, I like that word, is what? Okay, that was pretty good. It's about half of you. I want to translate that verse. If we go back, I want to translate that verse for you, right? The faith, the works, and the ugly. That's verse 17. So faith by itself, faith have value? It does, but it's a combo meal, right? You ever been in one of those restaurants and, and you're like, I just want the sandwich. I said, oh, sorry, sir, we only sell these in combination. It's, it's one price, you get the, the sandwich, the side, and the drink. No, I just want a soda. No, we don't do it that way. This doesn't make sense, right? We're Americans. We want to make money no matter how. We monetize everything. It's like, well, if I can only sell a soda... I'll sell the soda at least by itself. Here he says, no, faith is a combo meal. It has to have works. Otherwise, 
it gets ugly. If you have faith and you do nothing about it, get yourself in trouble, right? In fact, uh, he doesn't call it wrong. Does he call it bad? Does he, say, does he call it lesser? Note the gravity. You, you remember these people back then when they wrote this up? This is Jesus' half-brother James, right? Back then, they had no fun toys, no power tools, no smartphones, none of that stuff, right? They hoped that it would rain so that things might grow. Like agriculture was like a hit and miss and well, we'll see what God does, right? You can understand why in that culture they looked to the heavens and hoped and had faith that God would do things at times because their access to all of the modern technology type stuff that we have was nil. What did they have? Ugly robes, bad feet, few teeth, and they had what? They had words. We throw words around like it's the wrapping from the latest thing we open and toss it in the trash. They picked their words like they were gold. It's why the languages are so specific. It's why the stories were so long and detailed. It's why so many of them come with meaning after them or before them or before and after and during. They pick words on purpose. It's, it's like, the, oh, it's that great scene. Um, what's, what's the um, Jason Bourne movie, right? Jason Bourne. They're, they're the, the big uh, group of people that's trying to catch them. They're in this big think tank room. They got all these computers. They got 20 people and the heads of everything are in there and they bring in this one girl. And, and they say, well, uh, was he's doing this? Do it did? And then one guy says, oh, is it random? And she turns and says, oh, no, they don't do random. What's he doing? And she says, scary version? He's on purpose, right? These people did things on purpose. James says this is death. Who got him to write that? Say God, right? Um, We're just, what, four or five verses in, four verses in, and uh, is there such a thing as faith without works. James is going to keep going. Verse 18, he's going to prove to you that it doesn't, that there's no such thing. Uh, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Oh, you have your cute little ideas and your, you, you took a couple theology classes, but you know what? I serve. I work really hard. Okay, good. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith. How? By my works. Very interesting little concept there. Is, is James almost implying that what you do with your faith is more important than your faith? I've always, I was, you know, a student ministry for 20 something years, right? Middle schoolers and high schoolers. It's a kick. The questions they ask, right? How far is too far? What happens in the seventh bowl judgment? You know, all this is random stuff. Um, But I love uh, talking to them about life and ministry and trying to explain to them, you know, you've got to be able to do something about it. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you do nothing about it, and then this is what they would say, the teenager. Well, 
I don't know anything. I say, well, you know something. Well, I mean, I, I know the basic stuff, but I've never read the Bible. I've never read through any of the books of the Bible in their entirety. And, you know, I just, I know Jesus and the cross and da, 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 and a couple things you said. And da, da. I said, what do you do with what you do know? That's the most important thing, right? Folks, are you ever going to know it all? Then how are you getting in? Right? This is about as basic a, a logic as it gets. What God's concerned about is, what are you doing with what you have? And you want to come up with more questions, right? I'm one of those guys. One of my favorite phrases, have more questions than answers. Oh, that's kind of fun. Question leads to an answer. That answer leads to two more questions. And I love to go down the rabbit trails and get into the deep, thick stuff. You know, that's why I teach every, morning, every Sunday, right? But at some point, if that's all I did, what's the value? None, right? In fact, if I, if I said, hey, I really want to get all this stuff down before I ever teach again, and I studied for the next 30 years and never taught on a Sunday, you should think, ah, oh, he's lost it. There's no value in that, Right? As Wyatt Earp would say, there's no money in it. Right? There's no payoff. You believe that God is one, you do well. And then here's the great one. Even the demons believe and shudder. Whoa. You could fully believe in God and be the same as a demon. I'm going to suggest the argument that most demons know more than you do. Safe bet? Whoa. And yet they're in trouble. Why are they in trouble? They know more and they believe more than you. There's not a moment of doubt for them. They know the real game that's going on. They're in that war. They're dressed up. They got the armor and the weaponry, and it's a mess for them. Zero doubts then why are they losing? Because they're acting for the other side, right? They're working for the other side. They're working for the wrong side. Um, folks, idol is working for the other side. In fact, uh, what's the phrase? Idleness is the devil's playground. I like playground. It's more fun. Workshop's fine. Okay. You use the one. Um, do you want to be shown? <laughs> this is a great question. Do you really want to know? Do you really want to see this? He's saying, if you're listening, hey, this is about to get tougher. This might hurt a little. That faith apart from works is what? Useless. I want to quote this first. Every time somebody says, oh, no, I believe in God, and I went to church for a long time. I don't need to go to church anymore. Really? That's awesome. When did you get permission, permission to sit on the throne? Congratulations. No, I don't have to go to church anymore. No, I don't need to do this. No, I don't know. Eh. Weird. The Bible commands that we uh, assemble together. It commands that we public worship, you know, uh, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture, right? How do you public by yourself? I've never figured that one out. 
right? It's like kind of pregnant. doesn't exist. Was not Abraham, verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac? That's an interesting, uh, on the altar. Uh, it implies that Abraham's act of offering his son on the altar, he, you know, God says, hey, take your son, your only son. Yeah, I know you waited over 100 years and your wife wasn't supposed to be able to have kids and it was a total miracle that you got him in the first place and he's your only son and that's how important he is and now I'm going to take him. I mean, we're talking 20 plus year fiasco he went through with wife and maidservant, that's a whole other story, and God and faith and do it and what's going to happen. He finally gets his son. How old is his son now? He's, he's in his teens probably. Maybe he's 20s. And God says, yeah, now we're going to take him. Now, did Abraham have faith? How do you know? Uh, see, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, maybe he had no faith. God did a miracle one time and that happened and I, get, I have faith in that because I saw it. I wonder if Abraham was a guy who said, I'm going to obey, but I don't believe it. Right? They're marching up the hill and the, and the boy asks him, hey, uh, I see the wood, I see the knife, I see the stuff for a sacrifice, but we don't have an animal. What's Abraham say? God will provide a sacrifice. Who's, what does Abraham think is going to happen? He's giving him up. There's no faith there. He's just being obedient. When did faith come in? According to James, he was justified when he went to actually, when he acted on it. That's when the faith became real. You know, I think faith without action is just thought life. It's just thoughts, ideas. Premonitions, hunches, until you act on it and say, eh, all right, I guess we're starting a church. Before, it was just a pipe dream, right? Until you actually do something about it, until you actually walk into that office, until you actually take that test, until you actually accept that job, it's nothing. James says that's how faith works, right? You see that faith was active along with his work. You see that faith was what? Second word from the right, top line. Starts with A, ends with Tiv. There's a C in the middle. Do you see it? Can you see it? You see that faith was what? Active, Active right? That's the point we're going to get to here when we get to our fullness. Along with his works, and faith was what? Complete. I, this is another one of those little weird hand grenades. I thought Jesus completed everything. I thought Jesus uh, hung on the cross and said, it is finished. I think if he's completing anything, he's the one completing faith, not us. But somehow James says, eh, there's, there's a unique, weird dynamic. Like this thing spiderwebs, and they relate to each other. When you have faith, it's completed by works. Now, I'm a little confused, and I dislike this. It makes me uncomfortable. And uh, the whole idea of half faith or partial faith no, garbage, basura, right? I don't, I don't buy the whole partial faith. You either have faith that because it was completed by works or you have, what did he say in the first three questions that were fake questions? Nothing, 
or no? And the scripture was fulfilled, verse 23. The scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Weird. I thought our sanctification, our righteousness, our salvation came through Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, his forgiveness of our sin, his conquering of death, his proving of his stature, his status, and his ability. That true? Say yes. And yet at the same time, there's this weird thing like on our half of the court, right? I like to say me and God, we're playing a game and he's got his half of the court and we're volleying back and forth, you know? I'm not a big tennis fan, but it, the analogy works, so I go with it. There's something on my side of the court that helps the righteousness thing piece. Cause it? No. Aid it? Yes. Why? Mm, I got a verse. Fully understand it? Say no. No. But there's something about God's completed full action that is somehow commentated on by what we do and God says that's what I want I want righteousness will you obey and he was called a friend of God a great phrase because he acted on it you see verse 24 that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone oh there's another hand grenade we're going to get in trouble that's okay we're going to solve it one of the fill-ins because there's this whole Ephesians passage that sounds like it says the exact opposite thing. You're justified by works. <clears throat> this is one of the only places in the Bible you could see something that says you are justified by anything other than Jesus Christ. Is James throwing Jesus out? Did, did he just wait for the bus and toss Jesus in front of it? It's like, nice work on the cross, Jesus, but really it's our works that get us saved. Is that what he's saying? No. It's one of those combo meal things again. Our faith can't be alone. It has to be works. And here's my, maybe the way you say it to where you stay out of trouble theologically. And it helps us realize our justification. Helps us experience it. Feel it. Understand it. Benefit from it. Project it. It's almost like it casts light on it. Anything change when you cast light on it? Don't, none of you scientists go, no, well, actually, there's photosynthesis and da, da, da. No, for the most part, most things, there's no change. When it's dark, it's sitting there, you cast the light, oh, still chairs. Turn the lights off, oh, there's still chairs. It doesn't change our salvation. It doesn't change Jesus Christ or his finished work on the cross, but it does draw light to it. It does help us realize it. And in the same way, verse 25, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works? Oh no, we have the phrase twice now. When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way, she took personal rest to save the spies because when the authorities came up to the door, they said, hey, uh, I heard somebody said you got spice in there, huh? What'd she say? Nope, not today. She lied. She violated the commandment. Oh, really? Because James says she was justified by works. When she bore witness in favor of her neighbors? Wow. 
Pretty interesting. She acted on something on behalf of her neighbors, and God said, that, that, do that, right? Verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is, is dead, right? We get the faith and the works and the ugly. What's the ugly? Ugly's dead. How do you get the ugly? You try to separate those two. You try to separate the faith and the works. Well, I, I know I've already accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. I prayed the prayer and I walked up. There was a revival at a thing and I went up to the stage and uh, some guy named Fred, he prayed over me and now I'm saved and I'm good. That's it? Man, that's barely even a dance. Right? You can get that done in half a song. I always tell my kids, my kids, oh, there's times my kids were driving and they'll start a song. And just when I'm getting into it, you know what they do? You were there? They changed the song. It's like we're, just, we're a third of the way into the song. We're a quarter of the way. We're like 15%. They heard enough and they want to move on to the next. Like, wait, we just, I kind of like that song. In fact, I'm hearing it the, for the first time. I kind of want to see where they started a story. I want to see where it goes. Like, what's going to happen to that character? She's in love with that boy. And is he ever going to notice? I mean, I'm in eternal conflict now. And you've moved on to some dumb rap song. Drives me nuts. That's faith without works, folks. We have faith. And I, I believe in this. Oh, I'm going to go work on something else now. What? No, finish the song. Let it play. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Here we go. 13 verses. Uh, really helps us understand a few things. And um, I, I want to reiterate something. And I I've, I've rarely say this. And, and it's important, I think, for us to get to this once in a while. And I need to remember, um, you know that what we do on Sunday morning when we go through a path, these 13 verses, did we just do the full comprehensive on those 13 verses? Or we did, did we do just like the light skim? The, the borderline comedic covering of it, right? Is there more to see in those 13 verses? Absolutely. Always. I read, those, I read these verses for the first time over 40 years ago. And I'm still picking things up today. Okay? When we do fill-ins, these are the ramblings of one nut job. Okay? Goofy guy who's just trying to make enough observations to pull some truth out. This is starting ground. Right? Like the best scenario is if you continue to look at it, pick out some of your own things. I don't know, maybe have a small group where you ask some questions about it like later in the week or something. I just, it's a brilliant idea. We might start it at this church. That was sarcasm. Uh, so here's, here's first like basic true thing to pull out of this. Um, faith is active. It is seen rather than heard. Faith is active. Okay, that's an easy one, right? You buy that one. 
It's like, oh yeah, great, appetizer, can, and sure, I got my drinks. Can you just bring me the meal? Right? I'm tired of the chips and salsa. I need a burrito. Uh, faith is active, I get that. I have been spinning on this all week. It is seen, faith is seen rather than heard. Your experience, I guarantee, your experience with faith has been 99% the professions of another person or something you've read. We as Americans, it's the nicest way I could say it, humans in this century, we think that theology and faith and all that stuff is stuff that we read from a guy that's several hundred years old. When he commented on a book that's a couple thousand years old, and we think, oh, that's, that's faith. I better make sure I have my theology and doctrine down. Folks, that's, that's like, you understand? Just because somebody says something, what's that mean? Is it any good? Reference any politician over the last 15 years. Just because they say something, it means nothing. I've started to really, like this has messed with me this week in major ways. Faith is something you actually see because it is active. If you read it, it means nothing until you act on it. When you act on it, like if you actually say grace before a meal, that shows something someone else can see. I love what he says. You show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. <coughs> I, got, I got another um, guy that I really like, and he says, we should only, as, as best we can, talk about things you could actually take a picture of. Whoa. If you walked in a room and you took a picture of it, you can never take a picture of something that's not happening. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, there's, there's not an elephant in this room. And I don't mean an ideological elephant in the room. I mean an actual, I can't take a picture of, of a not elephant. I can take a picture of an elephant, right? Take a picture of somebody training an elephant or an elephant eating, an elephant sleeping, elephant falling over. You can never take a picture of inactive. Weird. Faith is something that we actually see rather than heard. 99% of your faith interactions you have thought up until this moment have been things you hear and read. No. Faith is active. It can be seen. What did Jesus have when he went on the cross, poked in the side, crowned of thorns, mocked, beaten, whipped, and then crucified on the cross? Could you see that? We got pictures of it all over the place, right? Now, all of them are wrong. They didn't have cameras. You know this too, right? But we're drawing our attention to something that was actually done. Love that. And I, I want to just... As I was thinking about this, I was looking through the passage again, knowing that I was going to take you through this fill-in, and it was like, uh, <clears throat> verse 18, someone will say, is that something you hear or see? Right? Little phrase, right? Verse 20, 
do you want to be shown? Is shown something that you hear or something that you see? Yeah. Verse 22. You see that faith. It doesn't say you understand that faith. You think that faith. He says you see that faith. Is this, is this weirding anybody else out with me? Verse 24. Don't answer that question because I want only a, a affirmative statements this morning. Verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works or not. What a great phrase. You see that a person is justified by works. You don't understand it, you witness it. Love that. Love that. Had a guy told me he was working at a school in uh, Concord for years. For years. Come to find out he never worked there a day in his life. I believed it for years. Never saw a picture of anything. No staff pass, no paperwork that he was correcting from the kids' last test, da-da-da. We have to be able to see faith. It's evidence. We want to have evidence that we actually believe in, and that Jesus actually did something and it actually means something to you. All right. So, um, so what do we do with the problem of Ephesians 2, 7 and 9? 7 through 9. This is the, one of those hand grenade things I was re- referring to earlier. Let, let's check this out here. So then in the coming ages, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now that's an amazing fun phrase, right? We're getting like the best of the party out of this deal. And here's, here's he says how this happens. How are we getting these immeasurable riches and grace and stuff? For by grace you have been saved. Right? Does it sound like what James is talking about? Yeah. Through faith. Paul says, yes, you were saved by grace. That's what Christ did on the cross. But it's your faith in that. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result of works. that no one may boast. Now, uh, you take the uneducated and they take these two passages and they say, oh, see, contradiction in the Bible. James says you have to have faith with works. Paul says yeah, you, you, it's not a result of works. So which is it, Scott? Is it works or not, huh? And I say to him, well, first, stop talking to me in a valley girl language. Right? Tone. Uh, this is called grace with works. This passage. Grace through faith, not with works. What's the subject of the sentence? Grace. In James, what's the subject of the sentence? Faith. James is helping define for us what faith is. Paul here is helping define for us what grace is. The relationship is that you have to have James's kind of faith in Paul's definition of grace for it to work then it all makes sense. Hand grenade avoided. It's not actually contradictory, it's complementary, which is what you should do anytime you're reading the Bible and you think it's contradictory, you need to look for the complementary because you'll find it eventually. Okay? If you're not sure, uh, talk to me. We'll solve it. All right? uh, second one, inactive faith does not exist. Inactive faith does not exist in this dojo, does it? 
no, sensei, right? Uh, there's no such thing. Inactive faith does not exist. Uh, it's kind of like ghosts. You know, all the weird stuff. You, you can never take a picture of that. You cannot take a picture of inactive faith. So, it doesn't exist. Inactive faith does not exist. It's called death. When you're inactive, a little fun for you. You know what you're practicing? You're practicing being dead. That's when you're dead, that's what you're going to do. Inactive all the time. Uh, James says, don't do that with your faith. Don't do that with your relationship with God. Accepting Christ and acknowledging who God is and admitting who you are in that relationship is just first step. It's one link, the beginning link on the chain. How long is the chain? Great question, huh? How about long as you want it to be? You mean there's more links? <gasps> you should find out. How would I do that? Act on what you know already. Do something about it, right? Um, you can find that in verse uh, 19 and 26, but I really like what 17 says. Uh, so, also, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, right? That's why you have that verse at the top of your outline under the title. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead dead. And that's the path that you're on. Last one. He asked this question. He said, you know, you got faith and he says, what, what good is that? What good is that? What, what a question. And I, and I want to know, James uses that question as kind of the standard for his questions, Right? Like, is that, is that saving faith? Is that good faith? He's asking the basic question in all of his questions. What good is that? You know what that is? That's called a standard of measure. It's almost as if he's, it's not almost, he is implying, if not outright saying, good should be the outcome of your faith. And having a couple clear thoughts in your head does no good unless you act on it. When you start acting on it, it's super simple. Okay? Poor dog. You know, the dog, he looks hungry. Boy, the dog has a bowl. Poor dog has a bag of food in the cabinet. So sad that there's no one to get food and put in the dog's bowl. Poor guy's going to die. Right? Or just go get some food and put him in his bowl. And he's fine. Right? You ever, you, ever, you ever met this guy? Hey, tell me about your family. Oh, yeah, I have father, mother, and a couple of siblings. And, oh, yeah, was, what's your dad like? Yeah, where does he live? Uh, he's a couple states away. Yeah, what's he up to? I don't know. What do you mean? I haven't talked to him in a while. You had a dad that you don't talk to? Yeah, pretty much. You guys have a fight? Mm, no. You talk to your mom? Not really. What do you do for the holidays? Nothing. You see your siblings? 
You got nieces and nephews? Yeah. How are they doing? I don't know. Where are they? Oh, they're out in Arizona. You ever been there? No. Send them a card? Text them? Call them? Email them? Are you, got, are you guys actually in a family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're the Berglund family. You never see them? Nope. Never talk to them? Nope. Never do anything about them? Nope. You're not in a family, bro. That's not a family. That's called isolation. We're in the family of God. Talk to him. Show up at his parties. When he's working on the yard, help him. When he calls you, answer. When his kids say they need help, show up. We have to be active in our faith. We have to be active in how we pursue what we believe. Or it begs the question, do you actually believe it in the first place? Fire insurance does not exist in the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate act and it finalized everything. Yes. And when you get in, he, this Jesus you reference, he's going to be standing there and say, oh, sheep, come on in. Goats? Over there. What? Didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we? Nah. You never knew me. Bye. See you never. God says we act out our faith. We live out as Christians. You know, this is a fun way. <laughs> this is a fun way we designate that we believe in Jesus. Little phrase we use, right? I blank Christ. I, I blank Jesus. What's the blank? I follow. Right? Remember Jesus said to the disciples? All 12 of them. He walked up to them and said, hey, I need you to understand this really thick book of deep theological doctrine. When you get that down, there's a test. See you later. Is that what he said to them? <coughs> he said, hey, knucklehead, put your net on the other side of the boat. Did they do it? Was it active? He said, get up, follow me. Healed the person. Remember? Healed the person. Lame. Can't get up. What's he tell him? Pick up your mat and walk. Did he say, believe in God and you better follow me and in a little while I'm going to do this thing on the cross. You better have front row seats. Does he make it about Jesus? No, he says, get active. Why? Active leads to understanding. Active leads to the illumination of our righteousness. Active leads to Clarity, comprehension, forgiveness, all the good stuff, right? Really, this title should be, and I want you to cross out the top, the faith, the works, and the good. Not the ugly. That's how it should be. Amen? Uh, when can you start that? Whenever you want. God, I want to start now. That could be, you know, that could be a prayer. It might be one of the best prayers. God, I want to start now. Accept your son on the cross. Accept what he did. Accept who you are. I accept all this stuff in this book. I'm figuring it out still. But I want to follow you from this day forward. I want to be active in my faith. God, let me be active in my faith. 
Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Lord, thanks for our time this morning. Your word, these people, uh, pray, Lord, mostly for the truth and the action that comes out of that truth for us. Thanks for your half-brother. Thanks for what you had him write down. May it affect us. May it infect us. And I pray, Lord, for anybody who needs to make that decision to start following you today. Help us as a church. Help them. And then, Lord, we ask you to bless this offering as we receive it. May we trust it as yours, given or not. And may there be zero guilt in the room. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. May you be his kind of active. Amen. Go with him.